Hey everybody, Coach John Daly back again with our favorite guest, Dr. Jeff Lip here on February 16th, 2018. Early afternoon here. Got the day off of work, which is great. Just had a fantastic lunch with uh, my guest here. Great way to kind of get in the mid part of the day going here. Jeff, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic and happy birthday to you, Coach oh, Daly. Oh, thank you, sir. Really appreciate that. Means a lot. Nothing about like, you know, better do it. My wife said, hey, what do you plan for your birthday? I said, man... And take care of Secretary of State stuff, hanging out with Jeff for a while. We got basketball, uh, and then her and I are going out to dinner tonight. So it'll be a nice day indeed. Sounds like an amazing day. Yeah, thank you for thank you for remembering that. Uh, the book "Man's Search for Meaning" by Viktor Frankl. We've talked about this before. I know we had a session that you ran through some stuff. Um, I just finished it, started it, stopped it, started it, stopped it. You know, and I found some time over the last uh, couple of weeks sitting there with Kirby on my lap in the morning to get it done. And there's some points that really struck me that I wanted to run by you um, because I I definitely value your thoughts and opinions. Uh, They teach me a lot, and I know you could help uh, our listeners out with some of these things too. Does that sound okay? Sounds beautiful. I'll see what I can do. Awesome. So one of the things that I found toward the end of the book, um, this Charlotte Bueller, he quoted in the book, And she said, all we can do is study the lives of people who seem to have found their answers to the questions of what ultimately human life is about as against those who have not. What are your thoughts on that? It is very deep. Very, very deep. And I think that's one of the reasons why we, as a society and in the United States, we study American history more than anything. You learn about what some of our great leaders in the past have done when they had to make very difficult decisions for the whole group of the society. For me personally, when I read that, and obviously when you just reflected on it now, is I am in this struggle for consistent happiness in my life on a daily basis. And when I see other people that are substantially a lot happier, or they seem like Mm. they're happy, I try to dive a little bit into their stories and see what they are describing in regards to what they believe is happy. And what I try to do is I try to learn from that a lot, definitely a lot. The other part of that, more than anything, is learning from failure, too, I think is a very important Mm. piece. And as life goes, sometimes it doesn't go as you plan it to go. And what I like to do is I like to talk to different people that have experienced certain failures that I maybe experienced before. And see what they've done to overcome that and to become a better person. Mm. So those two things, when I hear that part in that book, it definitely resonated with me in regards to personally and in regards to education, why history is such an important subject. Mm. I love that angle on it. I didn't think about that angle before. A little sidebar question. When you find people that are um, showing signs of truly being happy, what are, are there a couple common elements that you connect with with these other people that they that they have going for them? One of the things right now in the world that I am currently dealing with, and that's just all about podcasting, it's all about social networking, it's all about kind of getting your message out there. It has nothing to do with money. Mm. That is the one number one thing that I've noticed, that people aren't talking about how much money they have as equating to their happiness. What they're talking about is how they overcame some type of struggle in order to become better emotionally. Mm. That's exactly what I see. For me personally, like I've talked about losing my dad, 
And I made a Facebook post this past week about how difficult it was just to miss him all of a sudden, you know. And it's been three years since he's passed. And before he left, one of the biggest pieces of advice he gave me was just be happy. And to me, I was always struggling with that because I equated happiness to money. Mm-hmm. And everyone that I've talked to, when your question, has nothing to do with money once again. It has everything <laughs> to do with emotionally what is deriving their happiness. So it could be hanging with the children, hanging with their significant other. Well, that's really true because of Valentine's Day this past week. And or just being around like friends for me, seeing my dog. So it is the year of the dog, by the way, too. Your birthday fell on Chinese New Year today. I know. It. My, my Chinese students at Lakeshore, um, they were so happy yesterday. And one of uh, my young ladies, she's in my third hour, I think, she showed me on her phone there's a live uh, simulcast of their celebration, in essence, of the ball dropping in New York City. Um, and she was telling me, and she the look on her face was so amazing, how excited and happy she was. And um, I, I think that's really cool that they're able to share that, you know, here in America for the whole year that they're studying over here. Um, but it's just it generally shows me how much that means to them. Yeah. It's a good time to be Asian, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> the, the new year the, of the dog. I like that. That means a lot to you, too. I know that. Uh, thank you for those good answers, man. I appreciate that. So the next point, um, as logotherapy teaches, and that's one of the things that he mainly mentioned in this book. There are three main avenues on which one arrives at meaning in life. The first is by creating a work or by doing a deed. The second is by experiencing something or encountering someone. In other words, meaning can be found not only in work, but also in love. Most important, however, is the third avenue to meaning in life. Even the helpless victim of a hopeless situation, facing a fate he cannot change, may rise above himself may grow beyond himself, and by doing so, change himself. He may turn a personal tragedy into triumph. I know that's a mouthful. Your thoughts on on those three, or if there's the one that stands out more to you? Dr. Frickel, uh, Dr. Uh, Victor Frankel was a genius of his time, a true genius. And when I hear that, when you read it out loud in general, What it reminds me of in general was when I was going through the loss of my marriage, the loss of my dad, I had a hard time giving anything away. I couldn't. When I started going to group and I started sharing my story and what is one thing they recommend you do was try to spend time with people that you would normally not spend time with Mm. and try to just say, what can I do for you? I looked at that type of advice at that time and was like, this is the most foolish thing that I could possibly do. I need help myself. Why am I going to give away pain? Or why am I going to try to give away some of my time if I can't deal with my own stuff? But what it made me realize was that life is not all about you. And for me and you, when we talk about love, and my simple definition of love is the fact that putting someone else's needs above their own. When I slowly started giving my time, giving my resources to different people that really could benefit from anything that I could offer them in life, my world started completely changing, completely changing. And I started connecting with people on a much larger basis 
And I started realizing just how important, truly how important relationships were in general. So what he's, what I'm deriving from that was the fact that the more you give, the more you're going to get back. Mm -hmm. And that is how you start forming your definition of love. You know, this feeling that I got from giving was not nothing I can get from money. It wasn't anything that I can get from anything else but just giving my time. Like the simplest way to kind of put it for me was when I got my dog, when I got Brownie, she relied heavily on me. She relied heavily on me feeding her, bathing her, giving her water in general. And she needed those things to kind of survive. And me giving those things to her made me feel amazing. Me taking care of her made me feel so happy. So it's just little things like that. When you give, 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 you'll start getting it back in life. And it's that amazing gift of giving that just feeds your soul, honestly. Going back going back to Brownie, um, because you got your special dog from the Humane Society. That is correct. Did, did you find out any of the backstory of where Brownie came from or what had happened? Nothing at all. She was about a year old when I got her. All I was told was that she was living in a apartment down in Detroit, and the family, due to the fact that I believed that they couldn't have animals at that apartment, had to give her up. Mm. I was lucky enough to come in that one day. I saw her, and I instantaneously melted, John. I'm like, that dog is the most adorable dog. And then I took her into a room where you can kind of, like, meet with them, greet with them. And I have seen a couple dogs before I saw Brownie, but what the one thing about her was that when I put her on the floor... And I told her to come here. She started gravitating towards me. It made me feel like she needed me. Mm. And it made me feel wanted again. Mm. You know, and I, like I said, a lot of the tragedy I was going through was a lot of rejection. And to feel wanted, to feel valued, it just brightened up my soul. Yeah. And when you give like that, that's what happens. You start feeling like, oh my goodness, someone wants my time. Someone wants the resources that I can provide them. Someone can benefit from me being in their life and that's what i saw when i was with brownie and that's exactly what i think dr Fricker of dr victor frankel is saying yeah that's it's that old saying of who rescued who that's a great way to put it you know it's a great as, way to put as it as far as brownie coming into your life man that is awesome i could i could just picture it that oh that would have been awesome to see so reading all that i'd like to hear your thoughts on that did you have any thoughts on that when you were yeah reflecting on that um Definitely, I think we all, you know, I underlined this in red, and so <laughs> we talked about it last time. There was a book that I gave Jeff a while back. He says, dude, I've never seen a book that had so much blood <laughs> red ink in it in all my life. And so obviously this book is, is the same here too. Um, definitely the third one, you know, the, the helpless victim of hopeless situation, facing a fate he cannot change, if rise above himself. We all have that. Right. You know, and... I think it's John O'Leary who mentioned about we all have a story, but it's typically not the one we're sharing with others. Right. And typically people don't share stories like this. They right. might share them with some close people, but that's why I think it's so powerful, um, the podcasting, because the ones I've been gravitating to are the lessons learned from these tragedies because it instills that, that hope. And it's not a negative and arrogant thing of, boy, if that dude can do it, so can I. That's meant to, I think give hope for others. Like, you know, listen to my story. Listen to this. I've been through this and that. There's hope for you. And that's what I love people sharing their different stories. And yours has impacted a lot of people. Hope is so powerful. Oh. It is so powerful. It unlocks so many doors that you believe were closed. 
when you have that hope, you feel like an, an impenetrable force, honestly. Absolutely. Because hope derives a lot of intrinsic motivation to conquer things that you would never think was possible. And so I, I tell you this all the time. I have hope one day that I'll find her again. I hope one day that I can have a family again. And these are things that I still hope for. If I didn't have that hope, then I would be lost in myself. And what's interesting, and I told you this before we started this podcast, was I met with my pastor this morning for a little bit of a kind of a spiritual healing type of session. And we talked about that factor. Mm. And at the end of our discussion today, when I met with him, he prayed with me. And he prayed for my well-being. And he prayed again, once again, that I find a wife one day. Hmm. That little piece of hope, that little piece of someone else is caring for you, is exactly what relates back to the first statement you say and to this statement right now. It's all about hope. It's about love. It's about giving your time to someone else that, once again, you never thought could benefit from it. But honestly, the second you try to put someone above yourself, you realize how much unlocked potential there is in the world. That's powerful. That, that, that's got to be a great feeling knowing that someone else is wanting that for you. I almost cried. I'm not going to lie. I almost <laughs> cried. I was tearing up because he tells me every Monday that he prays for two things. He prays that, number one, that my transition to my new job is going well. And I thank him so much for that. And it is. It's going extremely well. I, it's not like I don't miss everyone at Lakeshore. But, I mean, I am learning so much at this new place. Mm. And I love the challenge of being challenged every single day. That's awesome. Then in addition to that, he tells me he prays for me for a wife. And to, I pray for this, honestly, John, almost every night. And I pray to my higher power that he can present her to me, that I can look forward to that one day. And it's amazing when someone else is helping you towards your dream. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And that power of prayer is amazing. Absolutely. And it, that power of prayer shows you how much you care for someone else. And once again, that's putting yourself above you know, I'm sorry, putting someone else above you. Yeah. And that's the power of prayer sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, yeah, you're, you're focused on someone else's well-being, not just yours. Absolutely. You're not asking for help for you. You're asking for guidance and help and strength for someone else. He does it out of the kindness of his heart. And that's what love is all about. It starts with the heart. That's cool. Yeah, and when you said something about uh, the importance of hope, uh, in basketball, I am the one constantly bringing up, you know, especially like at halftime, uh, if we're down or something, you know, to, to squash their hope, giving giving another team hope that, oh, my God, we can come back. We can beat these guys. That is so powerful. It gets that pendulum uh, swinging in their in their uh, factor there that is just, it's not good for an opposing team like us. But the power of hope, I tell you, in life, in sports, in everything, it is truly powerful. You are dead on right about that one, buddy. It's a lifeline to so many things that exist in this world. Oh, my God, yeah. And nothing is impossible. I tell my students all that time. They're like, am I going to fail this class? I think I'm going to fail out of here. I'm not going to pass this class. I'm not going to be successful in this school. And I say to them, nothing is impossible. This is all mm. a mindset you're telling yourself. Anything is possible. We talk about, I think it was Bannister, who was like, no one told Bannister that he could break a four-minute mile. And what does he do? He runs a four-minute mile. Yep. So anything is possible. Absolutely. It starts with the mind. That, that it's great you start talking about that again because uh, the next point I wanted to talk about was uh, this was in the Texacana Gazette, uh, Gazette long time ago obviously it was about Jerry Long he had been paralyzed from the neck down since a diving accident uh, which rendered him quadriplegic three years ago he was 17 when the accident occurred today Long can use his mouth 
the, his mouth stick to type. He attends, and that was in quotes, two courses at community college via special telephone. The inter- you know, got to remember this story is probably, um, boy, this I don't know if it's nineteen early nineteen eighties. This is before the internet, you know. So a special course attended in quotes. I'm like thinking, why is that? It's in quotes because of of the technology here. Um, the intercom allows Long to both hear and participate in class discussions. He also occupies his time by reading, watching television, and writing. And in a letter I received from him, he writes. I view my life as being abundant with meaning and purpose. The attitude that I adopted on that fateful day has become my personal credo for life. I broke my neck. It didn't break me. I am currently enrolled in my first psychology course in college. I believe that my handicap will only enhance my ability to help others. I know that without the suffering, the growth that I have achieved would have been impossible. We just got... Talking about that at lunch, Jeff, it's a, it's a central uh, main anchor building block point in your life. How powerful is a story like that with not only what you've been through, but also what you're trying to get to your, your students to understand? It's a tremendously powerful point in the fact that he, or for many people, hearing that type of story, they may look at him being paralyzed from the neck down as being a disadvantage. What I'm hearing from that story was that he slowly accepted what had happened and basically changed his mindset. And from that point forward, started fueling himself to take his disadvantage into an advantage. And I love that fact that no one can take away your purpose. No one. For him, he wanted to still stimulate his mind. And what he did was he went back to open more doors for him intellectually and then continue his life purpose. See, I'm a true believer, and especially in that book, more than anything, that everyone is on this world for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And that leads to hope. That leads to everything that we talked about, this whole thing. But it starts in the mind, more than anything. And he said that no one can take that away from me. Well, no one can, honestly. No one can take away your spirit or your drive to be more than you are today. No one can. And so what he did, more than anything, was he infused that in his mind, and it all starts in the mind. And he's like, I'm not going to let this disability hinder me from doing anything that I want in this world. And so with that type of mindset, you can go ahead and conquer the world. Nothing is going to stop you. So you're going to hear no maybe sometimes. So you're going to maybe fail a couple of times. What those are, honestly, are learning experiences. So the more you learn from that, the more you make better decisions down the road from those experiences the more whole you become. So for me personally, it's dealing with a lot of people, intimate relationships in particular, those are all learning experiences until I find her. Mm-hmm. And patience, I think, is a very key word <laughs> because you don't necessarily want to waste your time. But at the same time, is it really a truly waste of time or is it a lesson that you need to learn before you continue to meet that person? So I look at his experience right there, and once again, that's a truly moving story as an opportunity to grow. And it all starts in the mind. It doesn't matter what type of disadvantage that you see or you're up in the beginning with, but if you're willing to put in the work and you're willing to train your mind that I can conquer anything, I think it's going to open up everything for you. That's powerful. I remember when we first started um, our podcast long ago, last summer, one of the first things 
first many things that we talked about uh, was that word patience. Yes. And I remember you saying you didn't have much. How is it today for you? It's a lot better. And the reason why is because in my podcast, more anything, I talk about how I live in the current moment mm. with every one of my guests that come on. And that is the truth. Like I even told my pastor this morning that I am in the moment with you. Right now, this time with you, we're sitting here, we're drinking coffee. Well, he's drinking coffee. I'm drinking more of a fruit smoothie. I don't like coffee. I just I hate coffee. But with that being said, I don't want to get too off the rails. What I told him was when I'm in the moment, nothing bothers me. I'm so at peace with understanding that this is my simple task that I have to accomplish. What am I trying to learn from you? And... John, it has unlocked so many potential stories. And let me give you the example that I'm here. He told me today, when we're talking about you know finding a wife, things of these natures, and I've been talking to him about some of the ups and downs that I've experienced with some of these relationships. And he told me this amazing metaphor. He said there are three Fs out there in the world. Uh, the three Fs are going to be uh, fact, which is the... And he gave me the train analogy, which is the locomotive of the train. So everything is derived from fact first. Mm. Then another department car of that train would be faith, which is a huge important factor to have in regards to hope or what you might want to see happen next. And then finally, the caboose of the train is feeling. So what he wanted made me see was the fact that the most important part, the thing that drives you into making a decision, as much as the heart is important, yes, but what he showed me was like, if you see fact, you can't debate fact. And the fact has to lead you in that direction. John, if I wasn't in that moment with them, I would not have absorbed all that. Mm. And I tell you right now, I stopped what he was saying. I go, if you don't mind, can I jot this down in my phone? And that little bit of that little bit of a lesson that he just told me right there is stuck in my mind and I mean, it's almost like 1 o'clock right now. I had breakfast with him about 8 o'clock. I memorized it. And it's because that's how meaningful it was. I was in the moment with him. And now I'm taking it and sharing it as a message right now. That's awesome. Wow, that's incredible. The the fact of you focusing on being in the moment, whatever moment that is, with whoever it is, even by yourself, to me, one of the first things that popped into my head was that is patience. Absolutely. Because you need to have the patience just to be locked in there and not think of other things. Be in that moment and let go of everything else right now. It'll still be there. Right. Right. I still got my appointment this time. I still got practice right. there. You know, it'll be there. Right. Yeah. But right now you're in the moment. And I, I needed to hear that. I, I love that story too. That's uh that's something I'm gonna be replaying back on my on my own podcast. Well, is- I still tell him too, also, that I'm still struggling with patience, you know, mm-hmm. and because of the fact that I need that intimacy. And like I said, this past week was Valentine's Day. It was hard not to have someone again. You know, it's been a solid three plus years now where it's been up and down. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And once again, I don't I don't try to live in the past because the past and the future are just thoughts right now. Being in the moment is the most important thing. And you know, he reminded me of that again today. Mm-hmm. What we talk about is my struggle. I know that he has the perfect plan for me, and I totally agree with that. I've ascribed to that since the day I've been going to see him. But more than anything, it's still dealing with the whole emotionness of being impatient when things are not given to you what you want right away. 
But could you imagine this world if you were given everything you wanted? Oh, God. I mean, as much as a kid wants that, and I think some adults would love to see that once in a while, they, the adults realize, no, it doesn't work that way. Absolutely. Not at all. Absolutely. And the kids have to learn that. I know. You know. I know. Which is another important thing, too, I wanted to bring up real quickly, and I don't want to go off the rails, too, is that in our generation, what I see a lot is that parents, they love their children, which is amazing. And the feeling of just sheltering someone is just awesome. You don't want anything to happen to them. Sometimes when you shelter them that much, they don't experience failure ever until it's completely at the worst time they experience it. So sometimes when you let them make them go through that decision, they learn a lot. They learn about how difficult it is to get through failure. So it's it's a balance. You have to play that balance. Yeah, that's awesome. That that goes with experience too. Got two more points here that I wanted to get to. Um, so from in later in the book, he talks about from this one may seem from this one may seem that there is no reason to pity old people. Instead, young people should envy them. Okay, it is true that the old have no opportunities, no possibilities in the future. And I guess that's on your deathbed's view, maybe, right? Sure. I look at that. Hey, wait a minute. You know, there's 70-year-old people out there doing great stuff. So I digress. I'm sorry. Uh, but they have more than that. Instead of possibilities in the future, they have, real, they have realities in the past. The potentialities they have actualized, the meanings they have fulfilled, and the values they have realized, and nothing and nobody can ever remove these assets from the past. I love those assets. I love that. What's that speaking to you there, buddy? Age is nothing but a number. Mm. It truly is. I mean, I teach a career planning class at the community college. I've had 60-year-old people take my class. Mm. Mm. Wow. And they've taken my class because they want to know more about themselves. I think in our generation, well, the younger generation, we'll put it like that, the sooner you realize this, and we talked about this at lunch before we came in, the sooner you realize that, hey, the world is not all about me, but trying to learn from other people, it's the second you start unlocking everything for you right now. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that older people are constantly trying to tell younger people, hey, listen, I've been through what you've been through. <laughs> Trust me on this. But it's not until you go through it yourself to a certain extent that you realize, I should have maybe listened to that person. But... I don't discriminate. I like to hear anyone that's willing to share their story with me and their time. I joke around with you all the time about how old my friend Chris Mazzola is. <laughs> and he's I, one. I, the, I think you quoted the wrong age to me before. <laughs> I, I think he's like 99.9, <laughs> something like that. No, Chris is a young guy at heart. But more than anything, he is one of the most intelligent people that I know. Mm-hmm. Truly. He knows more about a house and how to start it from the ground up and build it to make it structurally sound for years than anyone I would ever meet. And it's all because of his experience. And he has more experience than I do because he's older than I am. Mm -hmm. That's his given fact. So when I call him, I'm like, you know, my garbage disposal is not functioning correctly. He gives me some advice on what he's done, and it works. (laughs) It's amazing. It works. But, you know, if I would have just listened a little bit more when I was younger, things might be a little bit different. But once again, everything leads you on the path that you need to be on. Absolutely. It's funny you said that because um, a mutual acquaintance of ours, uh, former student Carly Craven, uh, stopped by. And um, we talked about that same point about she's five years removed from high school. In fact, she was there trying to get some information on getting a five-year reunion going. Um, 
and she, we talked about this advice that older people were giving. And she's like, I remember that. And you know what? Now, not only is it making sense, and I know I need to listen to it and remember it, but I also find myself giving it to people younger than me. And that's that's powerful. That's, I think, a sense of maturity you know, that we all get to. When you're younger, you honestly care a lot what other people think about you more mm-hmm. than you do as an adult. Sure. That's just my opinion. And you want everyone to like you, and you want to be the same. But we were never built that way. You know, your higher power never created you to be common. You created mm-hmm. you to be unique. Absolutely. So as a younger adult, and when you get into the real world, you are the most unique person because you need to find your experience to find you mm-hmm. on the path that you need to go. Powerful. Man, okay, that's gotten me to my last point here. A um, little bit longer here, but let me let me go through it. So... He talks about how his colleague remarked how strongly he agreed with Frankel about the importance of nourishing one's inner freedom, embracing the value of beauty in nature, art, poetry, and literature, and feeling love for family and friends. But other personal choices, activities, relationships, hobbies, and even simple pleasures can also give meaning to life. Why then do some people find themselves feeling so empty? Frankel's wisdom here is worth emphasizing. It is a question of the attitude one takes toward life's challenges and opportunities, both large and small. A positive attitude enables a person to endure suffering and disappointment as well as enhance enjoyment and satisfaction. A negative attitude intensifies pain and deepens disappointment. It undermines and diminishes pleasure, happiness, and satisfaction. It may even lead to depression or physical illness. That That is just such a powerful thing. And we know it to be true, and we were just talking about some of the stuff. And I look back at recent episodes. This is, again, February 16th. A few days ago, tragedy struck down at a Florida high school. Um, and it's just amazing when people bring up the number of uh, shootings that we've had at schools this year, last year, the last 10 years. I mean, it's unbelievable what's going on. And we definitely see, or I definitely see, and I know you agree, um, this, this growing uh, vacuum or... There's something missing with people, and it ain't just the youth. It's not just the youth. We see it in them probably more because we're around them, but this little paragraph that I just read speaks, I think, immensely to that. What are your thoughts? I have a little bit of a different perspective on the fact because I think it starts with forgiveness. Mm. I do. And when I hear that and what you quoted was brings me back to the book that we read or I read in regards to the traveler's gift. Mm-hmm. And in the traveler's gift, one of the historical figures that this person visits is Abraham Lincoln. And what he tells the traveler, and what I hear from that, is the fact that if you can't forgive yourself, mm. then you're holding on to this depression. You're holding on to this anger. You're not freeing yourself from the emotions that are available to you if you're upset or when you're sad and you're depressed, you're holding on to these feelings that you're not good enough, that your self-worth is not meaningful. When you let go of all that and you forgive yourself and realize that tomorrow is a brand new day, you're free. You're absolutely free. And what is powerful about this story, it's consistently true in everything I hear about these tragedies. Oprah Winfrey, on her Super Soul podcast, interviewed two parents that had lost their 
children, or actually a child, um, in one of those faithful shootings that hampered out in, I believe it was Connecticut. And I think that someone came into that school, and it's, it's escaping my mind right now, but they came in and they killed a whole bunch of elementary school kids. Mm-hmm. And the parent read that book, Dr. Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, and he said that book changed his whole perspective because he had to forgive the shooter before he can then heal with his family. Mm. It's powerful. And what I think he's trying to teach you there is that forgiveness, when you don't hold on to these emotional feelings of anger and pain and rejection, is liberating. And you realize, hey, you know what? I'm not meant to live a life like that. I'm meant to live a life of freedom and choice and let to let the good things come into my life. But you have to start forgiving yourself and then you can start forgiving other people mm. and it unlocks this potential within you that you know that never came existed before. Wow. Oh, that was Sandy Cook, by the way. That was Sandy Hook, yeah. right? Yes, okay, good. Now, now it's right coming to my mind. It was Sandy Hook, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I love that approach. And it's true, and I, I believe that um, reading it, reading that little passage, I wasn't thinking that. So I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. What were you thinking, birthday boy? Yeah. Well, I, I, I really see um, that people do dwell on negative. And it's not just them. It's society. It's media. It's TV shows. It's I got a group of students that I hear the conversations and they're talking about, um, you know, these video games. And, you know, one of my students even asked me, you know, weeks ago, he was just honest with me. He goes, hey, I was absent yesterday because I got a new game the night before and I stayed home and played it all day. I'm like, wow, that, that something must be really connected with you as far as to give that much time to it. And I think, obviously, he didn't tell me, I didn't ask him any more questions about details, but I think it is one of those games about shooting, killing, and sure. accomplishing, saving, whatever. And I think there's a lot of that. Now, is that the only reason and only thing to blame? Absolutely not. Right. But let me tell you, we didn't have that stuff when I was growing up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and here I am, sound like an old man. Back in my day, you know, I mean, we used to play outside. We used to create things. We used to play games all the time, and um, that we didn't have this electronic stuff. I do remember some of the uh, video games in television and Atari just starting and going to arcades. It's where I met my first you know, real girlfriend in an arcade. And uh, how special those places were. Now everybody's got it on, and they're walking around in, the, with the, in their palm. You know, those games and everything like that. So there's, I think there's a lot of desensitizing uh, things. You know, kids walking in the hallway. You know, I'm out there greeting kids coming into my room. I kind of jump out at them. Hey, keep your head up because they're walking around with their head down. They're going to run into a door, a locker, somebody else. There's just a lot of factors out there that are um, not connecting people to people. I think what you said there that was really meaningful to me was whatever you focus on increases. Mm. Yeah. So for that student, if all he's focusing on is this video game, well, that's going to increase his attention. Yep. And I think in Victor, Dr. Victor Frankel's book, more anything, is that he's trying to make sure you understand that life is not all about focusing on yourself, but more that if you want to survive life in general, is to love, it's to give, it's to have a mindset that Life is not all about materialistic things. Mm-hmm. It's about finding a larger purpose. So there's nothing wrong with focusing on video games, but it's a matter of what you're focusing your attention on. So that took me back when you were describing that story was like when I was completely obsessed with fantasy football. And to a certain extent, I still am a little bit because I love the competition behind that. 
But is am I the same type of fantasy football player that I was three years ago? Absolutely not. Because now it's not about the money. It's about getting together with some friends and just talking about football. And for me, that's powerful because some of these people I don't see for a very long time. And for them, it's their channel to release and let go of some things sometimes. Mm-hmm. So once again, it's a matter of where you're putting all your attention on to focus on whatever you want to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, to wrap this up, um, I know uh, Jeff's got the same book. We got it from Sam Crowley on our trip to Atlanta for his uh, live event there. And Sam wrote me a message in the front of this book. He says, to John, thank you for making the trip to Atlanta. It's exciting to see the growth you've experienced this past year. Sam Crowley. And Sam is the reason... Um, for me doing this, um, I've been following Sam. It's got to be six, seven years now at least, maybe more. Uh, his podcasting and his encouragement, uh, I just love that guy. He is just um, helping so many people, and it's growing uh, the influence that he has on helping people, making a difference in their lives. I always tell him, you're a difference maker. I always you know, sign little comments or send him little things or whatever. He's a difference maker. And Jeff and I were talking about it at lunch today on what um, – Sam kind of helped Jeff do uh, at that session in Atlanta. This book means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to Jeff. Um, Jeff, in wrapping things up today, uh, number one, where can people get a hold of you? I know your website is just growing leaps and bounds. You've got some crazy things happening. And um, maybe some people, whether it's Jeff or Jeremy Todd or some other people that have really kind of connected with you and kind of helped you here too on this journey. This world has been amazing. And I feel like I'm growing every single day by just sharing that message. But the easiest way to get a hold of me is go over to jefflip.com. That's J-E-F-F-L-I-P.com. Over there, you can connect with me on my blog post. You can connect with me in regards to looking for the podcast. You can also send me an email over there. You can sign up for my weekly emails that I'll be sending out in the very near future. You can hit me up on Facebook now. You can hit me up on Instagram. You can hit me up on Twitter. So as long as you type in Dr. Lip or Dr. Jeff Lip, you'll find me somehow, some way like that. But definitely, I think Facebook right now is the hot commodity. So find me over in the Facebook community. That's over at Dr. Lip's Facebook. So if you can find me over there, I think that's the best way to get a hold of me. But my friend, I'll never forget my ground roots. And starting this with you, opening up my story, sharing everything, it's been inspirational. That's the reason why I keep coming back for more, my friend. Awesome, man. That's great. I I love doing these things for you, with you, for you. Uh, You're helping me tremendously. Um, We're going to continue doing this. May not always be here in the library conference room, but I kind of like this. This is where we got started. Uh, It's pretty cool. All right, everybody. Hey, find me also over on Facebook at uh, Coach to Expect Success and my Twitter at Coach to Success. Look for me on Instagram soon. I'm going to take that leap with Jeff's advice and Sam's advice to do that and uh, look for some changes too. In fact, Jeff and I are going to be working on some stuff here today and uh, we're going to keep moving forward. Some great things are coming and I hope great things are coming for you too. And I hope these things like this podcast and maybe some others and some books that are out there for you that are helping you make some connections, picking up these little puzzle pieces that you need to put into your puzzle for success or whatever it is that you want to do and keep in touch. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk again soon. See ya. (laughs) 